Welcome in to Lockdown Blackhawks for Friday, March 20th, 2020. Jay Zawoski with you here. Thanks for tuning in to Lockdown Blackhawks. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Sorry for missing Thursday's show, but if you've been listening all week, you heard how horrible my voice was and how sick I was feeling. So took a day off to recover, and I think you can hear my voice now. I sound a lot better. I feel a lot better, and we've got some news to get to. First and foremost, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Voicemail, 708-653-0572. Email, LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. Twitter, at LO underscore Blackhawks. My personal account, at jzawoski670. And the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast can be found at Madhouse Pod. New episode of that came out Wednesday night, so check that out. It still holds up, obviously, as no hockey has been played. On today's show, we are going to talk to Charlie Romeliotis of NBC Sports Chicago, just doing some big picture stuff, catching up on him, with him after his conversation with Rocky Wirtz uh, and a couple other things to get to as well. Just sort of uh, spraying all fields here as we're looking for things to do uh, while hockey is sort of in limbo here and, and seems like maybe there'll be nothing. Who knows? Don't, don't really want to speculate because I don't know, but... Uh, Man, there's a lot to get to with Charlie. And speaking of Rocky Wirtz, if you missed this on Thursday, Scott Powers had a piece in The Athletic headline, Are Changes Coming to the Blackhawks? Rocky Wirtz provides some clarity. And Rocky Wirtz was asked pretty much flat out if he envisions Stan Bowman and John McDonough and Jeremy Cowden to return next season. His response, oh yeah, Absolutely, there's not going to be any changes in the front office. So he was asked specifically about all three. So Cowden is back, Bowman's back, McDonough's back, and there will be no changes made for the Blackhawks. And I know a lot of people are going to be really, really frustrated by that. And I'm sort of frustrated by it too. Here's why I'm not steaming, steaming mad about Stan Bowman returning because my feeling is, and we've talked about this a couple times this year, if they let Stan Bowman go, all they're going to do, first of all, they're not going to fire him. Stan Bowman will be almost like John Paxson, like put into a higher role, and then someone else will handle the day-to-day GM duties, and that will probably be Al McIsaac or Norm McIver. Probably Al McIsaac, just sort of, based on some conversations I've had lately. So you're really not changing much in terms of philosophy, in terms of staff. So it's probably just would be most likely more of the same. It's not like the Blackhawks to go out of the organization and hire a big name GM. Who that would even be, I don't even know, to be honest with you. But in Stan Bowman, is the devil you know better than the devil you don't? I don't know. I, I, I feel like a fresh set of eyes on this entire thing could be beneficial. The problem is, are and were the Hawks willing to bring in a true fresh set of eyes, or would they just be advancing from within? And that's sort of my feel on the whole thing. As for Jeremy Cowden, I don't know what more you need to see. You know, I just don't. How many times this year have we seen him late to make a change that everyone sees should be made. Even going back to November, it took the 
meeting with the people at the top to say, Jeremy, go back to what you were doing last year when you were having success or else. He did it, and it worked for a while. But how long did it take him to get Dominic Kubelik on the power play? How long did it take him to make other adjustments like that throughout the year? He still doesn't really have the respect of the locker room. I don't know what more the Hawks need to see from Jeremy Cowlton to know it's not going to work out with him. You know, I, I don't know. I It's it's kind of frustrating. Like, what's it going to take? And they talk about one goal and how the Stanley Cup is what they want to do all the time and yada, yada, yada. It's been their slogan for years. But where's the accountability? Three years in a row with no playoffs, you got two of the highest paid players in hockey on your team. How is that? possible how do you let that happen here's a tweet i sent this morning in response to someone asking what the hawks were doing when they read that piece by scott powers i said this season the hawks had all-star level goaltending most nights several young players emerging contribute patrick kane remained patrick kane jonathan taves remained jonathan taves duncan keith remained duncan keith and they still missed the playoffs yes they had a lot of injuries Yes, Alex Dabrinkit had a down year, and those are valid excuses. But where is this next jump coming from? If Doc and Boquist don't have big offensive seasons or a big jump in point production, where is this marked improvement going to come for the Blackhawks? I don't know. They also need another defenseman to step in next year. Is it Ian Mitchell? They have to sign him first. Is it Nicholas Bodan? We liked what we saw from him for one game, but it was one game. Lucas Carlson looked good in a handful of games. There's so many questions here. And now with, you know, the salary cap was supposed to be going up, but now people are talking about maybe that's not going to happen because of what's going on this year with all the lost revenue. What are they going to do? Where are they going to add? How are they going to get better? And maybe they trade, you know, a Calvin DeHaan or an Olimata. But at some point, you need guys on the roster that can play, right? And DeHaan, he's hurt, but when he was playing, he was good. And Mata was fine this year. Not great, but not, not bad. So the pieces you would trade... First of all, you're not going to get much for them. And trading them makes the team worse. I just don't know where the improvement's going to come. Again, you had two all-star level goalies this year. And Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford. And even with that, every night, save for a handful of exceptions, which is every goalie every year, the Hawks goaltending was awesome all season. Even with that, this team failed to make the playoffs or be in playoff contention. I just don't know where the jump's coming from. And I don't know if firing Stan Bowman or Jeremy Cowan is going to change much, but maybe a different philosophy, maybe a different free agent strategy, maybe a different draft strategy, or maybe someone who's not married to these Stanley Cup champion Blackhawks would be more willing to make big wholesale changes that are needed. But like I said, If they're just going to hire from within, none of those people are going to do what's necessary either to make the big, big, big 
total rebuild kind of changes the Hawks might have to make to become a contender again. Hey, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Lockdown to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Lockdown Blackhawks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Hawks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Lockdown gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Hawks fans in a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Joining me now, NBC Sports Chicago's Blackhawks reporter, Charlie Romeliotis. Follow him on Twitter at C Romeliotis, R O U. M-E-L-I-O-T-I-S. That was off memory, Charlie. I did not have that in front of me. <laughs> Jay, you're one of the very few people that can consistently pronounce my last name correctly, so I really appreciate that. Well, I was talking – actually, I was talking to James about this. My, I have the same problem. Like, people look at my name and panic because, like, wow, look at all those letters, and there's a Z. My name is Zawaski. It could not be more simple. <laughs> and yours, if you sound it out – it's just like it's spelled. There's nothing confusing about it except for the length. Yeah, I feel like the the second <laughs> I say it, it's like, oh, okay, I could see it. Yeah, and then it's like, but but trying to guess it for the first time, like it, people just have brain farts. I think I think people panic, right? They see, yeah, the, they oh, oh, that's a lot of letters for me to absorb at once. You know, it's, it's <laughs> and like, it doesn't. And my my last name doesn't necessarily flow off the tongue either. So like, you have to repeat it a few times for it to get ingrained in your memory. Well, I say it to myself often. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know, you should know. Charlie is the host of the Blackhawks Talk podcast. We discussed that podcast earlier this week. They had Rocky Wirtz on. And, Charlie, that's where I want to start with you. That podcast posted on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. And then Rocky spoke to Scott Powers in a story that posted Thursday morning. Based on those two conversations, Stan Bowman's back. Jeremy Cowden's back, and I don't think it's a surprise, but John McDonough's back. No wholesale changes uh, for any of the big three positions with the Hawks. Does that surprise you at all? Um, I think it surprised me to hear him say it. You know, like it felt like we were leaning in that direction or um, you didn't feel like anyone in the front office was really, like going into the trade deadline, you know, Stan Bowman and guys like that, they didn't feel like they were operating, like they were playing for their jobs. It was always the long-term game. So the fact that when we asked Rocky on the podcast and he kind of hinted at they, they would be back and then reaffirmed that with, with Scotty Powers, um, I think it was just weird to hear him say it out loud. You know, like, so, and obviously, and I mentioned this too on, on our Blackhawks Talk podcast that, that's out now, is I wonder how much of this hiatus has really affected not just the Blackhawks situation, but across the league where, even if you wanted to make wholesale changes or changes to your, your coaching staff or your front office, 
like how, how do you do it? Like, what can you do? You can't bring guys in to interview them. Like you can't really do your due diligence. And at some point, what if the season, what if the season doesn't return until September and then you have to kick it out? Like it, the timeline is just so bizarre. So uh, getting back to your original question, I mean, I am surprised, but I'm also not. Yeah, it's I as the season was going on, especially on the on the basis of on the topic of Stan Bowman, it never really felt like there was any sort of pressure being put on him at all. Like you didn't hear John or Rocky say like, you know, things need to be better. It's got to improve like playoffs are bust. There was never really that message sent. Then if you remember last summer, we got word that Stan Bowman maybe did, maybe didn't get a contract extension and then he's never denied it. Right. So it just it's never really felt like the Hawks were looking to move on from Stan Bowman, which to me, a it's a little frustrating because they've been preaching one goal forever. And now we're looking at consecutive years of no playoffs. Um, I just don't know, like, you know, what's it going to take? You've got this high paid roster. You've got two of the highest paid players in hockey on the team who are still playing at a high level. You had all star ten all star level goaltending every night. What's it going to take, and how is it going to get better? That's that's really my question. Yeah, I feel like every year I'm kind of saying, you know, this is the make or break year. You know, this is, and I and I thought really this was going to be the the year where, obviously, you go through that retooling phase where you miss the playoffs for, you know, two years in a row, and then you had Stan Bowman's draft picks coming in this year, and Adam Bolquist and Kirby Doc, and they both cracked into the NHL. You know, I feel like Bolkos was broken into a little bit early, but it was based off really necessity. They brought him up a second time when they were going through that brutal losing streak on the West Coast. And so I think we're seeing it now. Like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are at the top of their game still. Like Duncan Keith still has a lot of hockey left in him. Corey Crawford still is Corey Crawford. And, uh, you know, especially seeing what he's done over the last month and a half when they did trade Robin Leonard. So I feel like they, they can feel comfortable with that. But, you know, I don't. You, you have to show significant progress next season, in my opinion. Like, you know, all, all, every in every area, J- Jeremy Colleton, the roster, the the front office, everything. Because it was a wait and see game to see how Stan Bowman's draft picks, the high draft picks, were going to pan out. And so, if it doesn't result in into a playoff berth next season, like I don't know how you can get out of that alive. Well, Charlie, you have the luxury uh, and the advantage of being around the team all the time. You know, you're in the locker room, you're there post-game, you're there pre-game, all those things. What's the vibe in the room? Does it seem like guys have sort of come around on Jeremy Cowden a little bit? Or is it still sort of that awkward, I don't know, it's it's sort of hard to describe when you're around it. You can feel it, but it's sort of hard to put into words. Do you feel like some of the veteran guys have come around and started to believe in what he's teaching? I It's a it's a tough, I think going into the season, they were, they were, very optimistic about the direction of the franchise because when Jeremy Colleton did take over, he kind of turned around the power play, obviously, but from January and on last season, they were producing at a hundred point pace. And so then you go into the off season and you shore up, or you think you shore up the defense by acquiring Calvin DeHaan and, and Ole Mata. And you bring back Andrew Shaw and you get Zach Smith, who's going to be a grinder. And then Ryan Carpenter to take some of the face offs away from, Jonathan Taves. So I think there was optimism going into the season. And then I don't know how much this psychologically played a role, but Jeremy Colleton made a tweak to the system in training camp where he wanted to protect the house. And obviously you, we kind of know that 
in early November, they made a system change and went back to the system that worked last season because they just couldn't score any goals. And they were still giving up so many high danger chances and, and goals again. So it wasn't working. And so I wonder how much of that time, and I don't blame, by the way, I don't blame Jeremy Colleton for trying that because they, they were, they gave up ungodly amount of scoring chances last season. So I don't, I don't necessarily blame him for trying to implement this new system of wanting to protect the house. Uh, it was just a, it ended up being a lose lose because it took away from their offense and, and the, they were still giving up the same amount of scoring chances. So I don't know how much of that was time wasted the first couple months where guys were excited going into training camp. And then it's like, Oh, wait a second. Here's this new system that we have to learn and get on the same page on. Whereas last season it, were, it was working so well because they were playing a running gun style. And, and I'm sure Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze and all those offensive players loved playing that style. So they make that tweak in November and it was, you know, business as usual because I, I th- their best stretch came right after that. I think they won four in a row and they exploded against Vancouver. So uh, it's hard, it's hard to really pinpoint what exactly the guys are feeling uh, going into this. I don't want to say next season, but going into to whenever we pick back up again. <laughs> yeah. Whenever that might be. It's lockdown Blackhawks, part of the lockdown podcast network, your team every day. Our guest is Charlie Romeliotis of NBC Sports Chicago and the Blackhawks Talk podcast. Uh, you know, one thing I noticed, Charlie, just as we were talking there, I sort of remembered it's something I failed to bring up. It seemed like in the last couple weeks uh, when they were playing that Cowton was a little more loose with the media, kind of laughing, kind of joking around. I wonder if he had been given any sort of indication that his job was safe and that he'd be back next season because I don't know, I just, I just sort of noticed that he was like a little more playful in press conferences, and his his attitude was a little different. And I don't know if they were necessarily playing better. They had won three of their last five, which isn't great, but it's something. I don't know I noticed sort of a change in his tone over the last little bit. Is that something that's uh, in my mind, or did you notice that as well? Uh, maybe I, I think maybe he was just excited about, or I shouldn't say excited, but he was pleased with the performance and maybe not necessarily um, focusing too much on the results because it really did feel like going into that Western Canada trip, like even just, just go take a peek at the schedule and you look at the last month or two of the season, they were in essentially every single game. And so I, I, maybe it was a point where he felt like the guys were finally starting, the performance was starting to come and maybe the results weren't following, but eventually they were going to follow. But, um, and I wondered also how much the getting past the trade deadline really loosened up the group as well, where there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of things floating out there. And, and a lot of guys like, you know, even Brandon Saad's name was out there and mm-hmm. Eric Gustafson and Robin Leonard got moved. Like even Corey Crawford wasn't sure, um, you know, I'm sure what, what his situation was. So I think a, a lot of the, the, the mood inside the locker room loosened up after the deadline. Well, you just sort of led me there. The Robin Leonard thing after the trade um, was a little surprising to me. It seemed like he was on good terms with everybody, and just sort of the, some of the comments he had to say when he was dealt made me sort of question that a little bit. Again, a guy in the locker room, when Leonard was there, was it was he liked by his teammates? Was he a good guy in the locker It seemed everyone had nice stuff to say about him. I was sort of caught up. I know he's always been open-minded and always spoke his mind and would, and would say what he had on his mind. And that's great. We love that as media, but was there a part of the team that was sort of like Ugh, about that? Cause it's weird to see a guy play as well as he's played on his third team in two years. 
Yeah, he he was very well liked in the locker room. And even Jonathan Tave said it the day after he got traded was he kind of was a guy that came in and wasn't shy about being himself right off the bat. And he made the leadership group better leaders going forward because it reminded them of how, of what kind of standard they have set here in Chicago. And Robin, I think the best part about Robin Leonard is I know he's so vocal and, you know, us in the media, I'm sure we appreciate those kinds of honest um, assessments and feedbacks because they make great sound bites. But at the same time, it, it really, it, re- it resonates with the fans. Like he doesn't sugarcoat it. And I think um, the, the best part about him is that he could, I don't want to say call out the guys in front of him, but he could say, we gave up a lot of scoring chances today. And, but he can, he can back up his end as well. And you can't really say that if you're a goaltender and you're giving up, you know, if you have a, an average or, or subpar save percentage, like he was, no question one of the best goaltenders in the league and, and facing the most high danger chances of anyone in the league. So uh, certainly appreciated that honesty. And, and he, he was very well liked in the locker room for sure. Yeah, that's how it felt. That's why sort of with him going out the way he did and saying as many things as he did about how, I don't know, almost like he was wanted to know more, wanted to know he was going to be traded. I don't know. I was sort of conflicted about that because he had been – such a big part of things this year, and I think everybody kind of wanted him back. It was just sort of a weird way for it to all end. Anyway, we've got some big picture stuff to talk about here. What we thought a couple weeks ago was that the salary cap was going to have a pretty significant jump. Now they're talking about because of the lost revenue here that it may not exactly go up as much as we thought, and the Hawks have to figure out what they're going to do with their restricted free agents. That's Dylan Strom, Dominic Kubelik, to a lesser extent Slater Cuckoo, and Drake Kajula, um, how do you see this all shaking out? How do you see the Hawks sort of prioritizing, I would say those four, but the, but the important thing is the decision. Is it Kubelik or Strom? Is it both somehow? How do you think that whole thing shakes out for the Blackhawks? Yeah, this is certainly, this hiatus is really difficult for, for teams that are cap-strapped. And, and I remember even last summer, teams really didn't know what the, the ceiling of the salary cap was going to be until the day before the draft. And I know it, um, a lot of teams like Toronto were, you know, it really affected their plans. So in a, in a, in a sense, I guess the Hawks are, can prepare at least for the, for the salary cap to maybe stay the same and, or, um, or, or barely, barely go up. I, I don't, boy, it would be a disaster if, if it, if the salary cap went down in any stretch, if they can't get the season in, but, um, it's certainly going to be something that you have to plan for. And I don't know how much it impacts uh, the priority. Like I still feel like they can move some things around to make this work. And um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, be, because Dylan Strom, for one, was starting to play himself back into a better contract because when, when we were really evaluating his season, he was on the wing and he was on the third line and he wasn't producing, like he got knocked off the power play and, and then he gets put back on the line with Patrick Kane and he's getting top six minutes again and he's playing center and he's back on the, the second power play unit and he's, and he's generating some offense. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how this plays out. But I would, I would be surprised. That, like, like I fully expect Dominic Kubelik and, and Dylan Strone to both get re-signed. What's your number guess for those guys if you had to make one? I know I'm just popping it on you right here, but what do you think? I, I think both of them would be probably in between um, – in between three to $4 million, you know, and, and I think it would make sense on, on both sides, both 
Kubaliks and, and Strom's camps and, and the Blackhawks side to, to make it a shorter term deal. Like maybe um, try to go a two year deal for, for both those guys. And I'm sure Dylan Strom would, would like to cash out on a larger deal. And um, I don't think by his standards, he, he feels like he produced at a rate that he's, you know, feels like he could have uh, this season. And then, and then Dominic Kubalik, like, man, he's a, he's a 30, 30 goal scorer, but yeah. um, for, first year in the NHL and, and he, he hasn't cracked 50 points. So it's, and, and you look at some of it, some of the, um, uh, you know, some of the analytics of, of his expected goals versus his actual goals. And he's got 10 more actual goals than his expected goals. So you figure that that's going to come down to earth at some point. And even if Kubelik wanted a larger term contract, like no matter how many goals or how many points he produced this season, it, it's still only one season for, for a guy to want to start asking for a long-term contract. So um, I would probably say in between three to four million for, for both of those guys. I think if you can get both those guys for eight or less, you take it and run. I think that you call that a win. Cause I, I think maybe I'm the last guy. I think Dylan Strom is uh, sort of undervalued by Hawks fans. Like when you look up at the end of the day and look at his point production, it's like, damn, this guy, he racks up points. You know what I mean? And you can never be too deep at center. And it also takes some pressure off Kirby Doc to have to elevate into that second center role. So I think a two-year deal for Dylan Strom makes a lot of sense. And the stuff you're saying about Kubelik too, I think you know people want to draw that comparison to Panarin. You can't do that. They're not the same player. It's obvious from anybody no. watching that Kubelik is not that big of a difference maker. But having Strom locked up for two years, giving Doc the time he needs to develop instead of forcing him into a second-line role. Even if he gets there on his own, that's great. But having Strom there for two more years takes some of that load off his shoulders and lets him develop, and then maybe he leapfrogs Strom, becomes that number one when Taves is ready to call it a day. Who knows? I I like that idea, though. Short-term for both those guys to see what you have. And look, for Strom, like you said, a short-term deal and he keeps doing what he's been doing here, he's going to cash out big time. Maybe it's not here, but somewhere. Yeah, and, and yeah, you you project his numbers over the course of an eighty-two game season, and he's probably a fifty-five to sixty-point guy. Like that—that's nothing to sneeze at in today's NHL, and and it's not like we've seen a we've seen enough of Strom where it's like, oh man, they can't—they just can't absolutely cannot go forward with this guy. Like he's still—I mean, he's a productive guy, and and I think we're putting him on this pedestal of being a top six. Um, you know, a number two line center or a, number, a future number one center. But the, the reality is they have, they have Kirby Doc now. And so they are able to um, maybe distribute the wealth a little bit. And, you know, but on the flip side of that is if Kirby Doc and, and Jonathan Taze are your number one and two center, you know, would you want to pay that much money for a number three, three line center and, and Dylan Strom? Who knows? I, I would, but um, I also think it would, it wouldn't really send the right message in the locker room if you, ended up, you know, moving Dylan Strom of some sort. Like, he's really developed a bond with Alex DeBrinkin and Patrick Kane, and that would just that would go sideways inside the locker room if you got rid of him. All right, Charlie, thanks so much for your time. Before we let you go, new Blackhawks Talk podcast dropped this morning. Let people know where to find it and what was on the docket for today's show. Yeah, you can catch us anywhere, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we dedicated this one to a mailbag uh, one, and it was bizarre. We had four <laughs> four guys on. It was uh it was Pat Boyle, Scott King, uh, and Nick Ismondi and, and myself, and we tried doing a roundtable discussion. And, it, and it's fairly challenging when you're all over the phone uh, from this COVID-19 p- pandemic. So it was a little strange, but it was, uh, it was, a, it was nice to, to catch up with the guys and kind of answer the fans' questions. So appreciate you, appreciate you uh, 
plugging it for it for us. Yeah, no problem. Everybody follow Charlie on Twitter at C Romeliotis, just like it sounds. R O U M E L I O T I S. Very easy. Just sound it out. Don't be lazy. Come on, Charlie. Thanks for jumping <laughs> on uh, Lockdown Blackhawks. We love having you, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch here as the weeks and months go on with no hockey and content needing to be created. <laughs> Absolutely. You're the man, Jay. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Thanks for coming on. That was our friend, Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago. Thank you, Charlie, for your time. Thanks for jumping on. And again, check out that Blackhawks Talk podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks. I know it's been a tough week. I know it's going to get tougher probably before it gets easier, but I'll be here for you doing podcasts every day as long as uh, health and everything allows. Um, but stick with us, man. I know it's I know it's challenging. I know it's tough. And we all need this distraction um, as this thing sort of drags on. So next week, we'll watch another Hawks game. NBC Sports Chicago is helping us out big time by airing a bunch of old games. So maybe we'll do a couple. I'll look at those week and we'll let you guys know. Keep in mind, Tuesday's show, Talk Back Tuesday. Start getting those questions in. I know some people are going to be pissed that Bowman and Calton are back. Let me know. Let me hear at 708 653 Lots of voicemails this week. Want to get your voices heard on Lockdown Blackhawks. And another thing, now that your daily routine is changing a little bit and you're probably working from home, just ask your smart speaker, you know, Alexa, listen to the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and it will start automatically for you. Make it part of your new routine. And now that you're done with this one, why don't you go listen to Lockdown NHL, our national show here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We really appreciate your support. Again, tough time we're all working through it hopefully sports can be the distraction you guys need to get through this crisis we're going to get through it and hockey will be back someday i promise thanks for listening to lockdown blackhawks have a great weekend my name is jay zawoski be safe take care of yourselves take care of each other stay home love you guys have a great weekend